0: You know what? I feel like... Screw it. Let's just try to read our Twitter feeds and give commentary on it. I mean, it could be terrible. We'll listen to it. If it's really terrible, we won't release it. But uh, I don't know. It could be fun. Totally. Totally. Fuck it. Let's do it.
1: And listeners, if you... Gonna do
0: it live. If you are hearing this,
1: then it means we decided to to ship it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. LPs, we had a... Really, really good idea for uh, episode today. And that really, really good idea is what David just said. We are going to not <laughs> read our tweets exactly, but scroll through Twitter and, uh, and discuss things that jump out at us, whether they are tech startup related or not. Maybe it's just some memes that we really like. And then toward the end of this episode, we are going to dive into listener feedback from the survey. We had a a good number of folks say that they wanted to know what some of the results were, not only of sort of who listens to the show, but uh, if people feel the same way that you do about subjects such as, is it better to have guests? Is it better for us to be alone? Uh, Do we like our long episodes? Do we like short episodes? I wouldn't say any of the results were surprising because we keep a pretty good finger on the pulse from having Slack. But I think there's some interesting data in there that it's probably, if you like acquired as much as we do if you're interested in acquired you might like uh, uh hearing some of that so um yeah. we'll dive into that at the end of the episode let's do it all right david what's the first tweet in your feed right now
0: so the first tweet in my feed is that dan lee like dan lee acquired podcast tweet about the google maps episode oh, that is sterile <laughs>
1: That was was boring. Uh, I love Dan Lee.
0: I know. Dan is great. Dan's a good friend Uh, works at Madrona. Our our former colleague at Madrona.
1: I have Marquez Brownlee, MKBHD, Uh, says uploading dot, dot, dot. So he must be Uh, uh, uploading a new YouTube video 13 minutes ago. He's got close to 1,000 likes.
0: I'm pumped. I love MKBHD. And as Ben and I have been chatting about we need to do a revisit of youtube we were kicking around for fun the idea of like maybe we should reach out to mkbhd and see if he wants to join us as a guest on the give the creator perspective when we redo youtube on acquired it'd
1: be acquired's first influencer
0: yeah seriously (laughs) (laughs) he is great and i'm sure he would be actually really smart Uh, Yeah, uh, gadget reviewer
1: amazing frisbee player he'd be great all right. Here's uh, Brian Boucher. Why do people say "Let's talk offline" during an in-person meeting? Oh, techisms! There's like a <laughs> whole laundry list of uh, of like just horrific, cringeworthy things that people say in meetings. That you're like, I look. I know that it was cool to say "Let's double click on this" in Microsoft <laughs> in the late '90s, but the fact oh, that we're man. still talking about it today and still using that lingo is just awful.
0: Oh man! Oh man! Yeah, that's it's funny. As I was scrolling through looking for my next, next tweet to talk about, I saw the same tweet that you had liked. <laughs> Clearly I haven't logged into Twitter. I was Twitter gonna say,
1: yeah, your Twitter is like really catching you up on uh algorithmic
0: like, feed is Do you
1: just follow me in the acquired
0: account? I think I may only follow you in the acquired account in our portfolio companies. Uh but no, here we go. Um this is from I think a like from uh, my friend Connor Miravold at Uber. Uh Sahil Lavindia. Uh, says, first-time founders care most about product. Second-time founders care most about distribution.
1: I think that's a Justin Kahn quote.
0: Uh maybe. So, um, maybe. And,
1: and Sahil, is that SHL? Is that his Twitter handle?
0: Yes, that is him.
1: I could be wrong, and that could actually be a Sahil quote. But yeah, Sahil founded Gumroad. He, and he wrote that insane blog oh, post about- His
0: next tweet in the thread is, Justin Kahn beat me to it.
1: Ah, got it he had that unbelievable, like, really emotional post about his journey from Gumroad being the hot it company to being the uh, godforsaken lifestyle business. Obviously, that's great and fine, but requires a very different capital structure and uh, sort of the the painful process of going through what it is to transform from one type of business into another there. Um, And it's been interesting. Actually, he's been super insightful and has been really Back on the social media map, I guess I hate, it sounds gross saying it, but like uh, i I've seen a lot more of his stuff recently, and it's um you know really, really insightful.
0: I would disagree slightly with his and, and or Justin's tweet here, though uh, I think if one thing we've seen and on acquired is like both matter. <laughs> the obvious answer is both matter, but like Google Maps right like it took both an incredible product innovation of the map being front and center as the UI for interacting with it and all the things you can do with that. And like where to and keyhole and zip dash wouldn't have been able to make it on their own. They needed to be part of Google and have Google's distribution to really uh, become mainstream.
1: Yeah, and if I had to like vouch for the quote here, I would say... Of course, you need to have both. I don't think that's what the quote is saying. It's that the sort of naive, obvious thing is to, that you need to have a great product. And the thing yeah. that is... If you build
0: it, they will come.
1: Yeah. Like if, if you're if you're the average consumer, all you see is a great product showed up, showed up at my doorstep. And then what do you do when you go to start a company? You try and make a great product because that was the thing that showed up at your doorstep. But the, the hard thing is like figuring out how did they manage to find me and put it on my yeah. doorstep.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> also uh my buddy jake Iding, who runs uh revenue cat just tweeted just bought an indoor phone booth ama oh man <laughs> <laughs> we just bought some of those how, too the,
0: the question is how long is the thread after that
1: <laughs> uh not very well he's responding to himself but it doesn't look like uh many other people have have responded to him
0: oh sad <laughs> yeah, indoor phone booths. Who would have thought that would be a thing in 2019? But it is like the thing.
1: A thing showed up in my Instagram feed the other day that was an indoor tent. Have you have, Has this been advertised to you at all? It's basically like a way to put a tent in your living room.
0: I have seen a essentially an indoor tent as like a sauna that you can create a, create a sauna oh, in, wow. within a room that you have. That sounds cool to me, but this is the, you're talking about like, the, this is, this, this is, is
1: like, we have a density problem and certain cities are not building enough housing. And oh, uh, for people to live in, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. And <laughs> I, I Like, I think the, the like uh, more docile use case of that would be like, Oh, you have a friend staying with you and all you have is a living room and you sort of want them to have some privacy, but like, no, it's like a, it's like a tent. You can't quite stand in it, but you can kind of, I mean, it's like how to go camping in your friend's living room.
0: Wow. Okay. That seems crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My next tweet related to this, the first rule of Burning Man must be tell everyone you're going to Burning Man. Ah, tis that time Have you time ever been to Burning again? Man, Ben? I have
1: not. I have not uh, been either. to Burning Man. Uh, but, I don't think I'm ever going to go. But friend of the go? show, uh, Jake Saper is a, is a big, uh. It's a big burner. That's
0: right. Uh that's right. I doubt he's there right now because he just became a dad.
1: Ah, congratulations, Jake.
0: Yeah, big shout out to Jake. Big congrats.
1: Now I I met with him last year though, like the week afterward, and he seemed very very at peace with the world. <laughs> I would go. I would totally go. I just like it's never quite worked out in my life schedule to to do it, but like I would not hang up the hat the way that you have and say, I doubt I'll ever go. <laughs> I do think because you and I are I, I talking about you, it on I this show. I want you to
0: go so I can hear about it from you. That's it's what probably
1: I probably jump the shark. Like if I am considering going, like there's a Burning Man that we don't know about somewhere happening right now that is where it really is. Where it really is to And, where you uh, really be. and yeah. the fact that we don't know it and we're not talking about it on the show is the reason where it's where it's at.
0: So listeners, if you know where the next Burning Man is gonna be, uh write to Ben, tell him, and then he can tell me about it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But I promise I won't say it on the show if that's holding you back from letting me know about it. Okay, here's a ridiculous one. Uh man, this is like the Dan Lee episode. So Dan tweeted, huh, is the first link on the Forbes menu really billionaires, or have I been reading too many articles about rich people? And he tweeted a screenshot, and like sure enough, in the Forbes top menu. The topics are billionaires, innovation, leadership, money. Like,
0: <laughs> what? That sounds. <laughs> I'm going to Forbes <laughs> right now to confirm. Amazing.
1: Why is billionaires its own? Uh, does, is it like this is? they well, have the they have, the, they have list? the
0: richest people in the world list. Uh, uh, oh my
1: god! It actually is. Yeah, billionaires, wow. innovation, leadership, money, consumer, industry, lifestyle. It's like all the normal sections they've pushed to the right, and the first. Navigation thing is
0: billionaires, maybe that's because Burning Man is coming, out.
1: <laughs> yeah, something like that. I think I mean, I think there are a lot of billionaires that go, you know obviously they're I, not billionaires I, there I know many you, like who, uh, who you know do. give up all your money to yeah. to go but uh, David, can I go on a tangent on this episode? Is that okay <laughs> do I, do I, I, have to I don't do know the, this is a highly Twitter? structured episode, Ben so. Because of my last two carve-outs, listeners know, I've been really into the show billions and listening to Brian Koppelman on, on podcasts and his podcast. I have to say, I consume a concerning amount of media. The amount of research that we do for the show, plus day-to-day reading that we do, plus, you know, carve-outs that we have. Anyway, it's concerning.
0: I'm going to take an aside from your side. Are you still a completionist on Twitter? Listeners for, no. If you don't know, Ben was, for many years, like, you read every years. single tweet in your... In your timeline, 10 years.
1: Yeah. Wow. Uh, I think two th- maybe it's a, maybe nine years, something like that, but basically until the 2016 election. And that was actually, I used third party Twitter clients that would maintain your place because I hated that like the Twitter client would snap you to the top. It became impossible to stay caught up and have a job. And so I switched yeah. to the Twitter app to use their sort of like machine learning based summarization of uh, in case you missed it. I have succumbed to the platform and changed my. Uh, my behavior to what they wanted rather than uh what the platform let you do by being extensible 6 7 years before.
0: This might be why the stock is up this year. <laughs> <laughs> could be. Uh, could
1: could be. be. Yeah, Twitter's had a nice comeback. That so has Snapchat. This okay, but this billionaire's tangent I want to go yeah, on. So you were on the ta- Brian okay, Koppelman uh made this really interesting point that one of the reasons he made billions is that in the last like decade maybe two Western culture has become fascinated with billionaires. He was like, I really want to explore that concept because I can't, I don't myself understand these people, how they got created, what motivates them. And he has this really great line that's that was, uh, billionaires are the closest thing that we have to nation states, that they're really more like kings than they are people their feet don't have to touch the ground if they don't want to. He goes on this really descriptive, interesting tangent of, it's it's largely informed by his sort of dramatized understanding of Bobby Axelrod in Billions, but it's fascinating to sort of explore the concept or hear him explore the concept, what has shifted in Western culture and such that we have this sort of like near religious fascination where we look up to billionaires. Does
0: he have any conclusions about like what I feel like that didn't used to be the case.
1: I'm trying to remember if there are any conclusions. This is basically the Ultra outs episode. The the one thing that he did point out that I thought was interesting is that, like, more attention is paid to wealthy people than sports stars or, like, musicians. Like, being rich makes you as famous as uh, entertaining, which I, I think is sort of... I don't know. Like, was that true in the era of Carnegie and Leland Stanford and
0: those guys? I don't, I mean, I don't know, but I don't think so. There were always like the society columns and whatnot in, in newspapers. Um, I feel like a lot of this has to do with the rise of startups and like entrepreneurship and like the cult of the entrepreneur over the last few years. Oh yeah. Uh, like when
1: the, when the social network came out Yeah, and sort of like yeah. made, uh.
0: Made startup sexy. I, w- I was thinking about this a lot. As long as we're on this rabbit hole, uh, when the Bezos divorce happened, I don't know if we talked about this on, on the t- LP show. We or didn't talk about show. this, like, but you
1: and I talked about it. When we were on a run. Yeah, from SF.
0: that like really rocked my world. Like I totally idolized Jeff Bezos. Like he's a he and his ex-wife Mackenzie are Princeton alums. Jenny and my wife are Princeton alums. We met at Princeton. Like you know, and I thought like he had achieved like all of this stuff, and he did you know many, many great things. And then I was like, who knows what the true details were, but it appears like he was cheating on his wife of 25 years and mother of his four children with someone else. And it's just like, that's gross. I mean, on the one hand, it's a reminder like, hey, he's a human too, like everybody else is a human. But on the other hand, it's like, that's really gross, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it, it makes you acutely aware of your own hero worship where I think we all think like, I'm sane and level-headed, and I don't overly have hero worship, or I don't turn people into gods in my head and put them on a pedestal, but, like, we we all do. I mean, I think, like, I used to wear shirts with Steve Jobs quotes around, and I think, you know— uh, we're as guilty as anyone else's of, of, uh, and actually like we should talk about this a little bit, like on this show, the amount of reverence that we have for some of these founders that built these incredible companies that we talk about, we build a monument to them, an hour and a half long audio monument to the the incredible things that these, we don't necessarily always say they can do no wrong. I mean, we did the Uber episode, but like it, it is worth acknowledging that on this show, we build people into temples and
0: we're, we're contributing to this phenomenon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and society is obsessed with doing that. It's the turning people into brands. I don't know if it's happening more than it used to, or if the internet has accelerated that or social media has accelerated that, but it sure feels like business leaders are brands in a much larger way than they used to. Well, listeners, this is the perfect opportunity to introduce a new sponsor here on ACQ two quarter. Quarter. Their new product, Quarter Pro, launched about a year ago and is already adopted by several Fortune 500 companies and some of the world's largest hedge funds and equity research departments.
0: Yeah, this research platform is transforming the way qualitative public market research is conducted. Here's how Quarter Pro works. You can get every piece of first-party information from public companies all in one single place. That's live earnings calls with real-time transcripts, company filings, slide decks, and more. QuarterPro has built a world-class user interface for this.
1: Yep. Let's say you're an investor or a podcaster, and you've got the use case where you need to look up a company such as Novo Nordisk, Hermes, or Visa. You can open their platform and search guidance or market outlook. QuarterPro then immediately identifies all instances where a company has historically mentioned and
0: discussed these topics in all of their IR-related communications. Or here's another pretty crazy thing they've done that's difficult to get anywhere else. You can actually search through literally every individual slide in Quarter's database, covering 9,000 public companies and millions of slides.
1: No E Q U A R T R dot com slash acquired or click the link in the show notes to get the personal demo from the Quarter team. Our thanks to Quarter.
0: Oh, uh I have a tweet, not in my timeline, but uh this is this is great and super relevant to acquired that Jenny uh sent to me this weekend and was like, this is interesting. It was a tweet storm, I don't remember from exactly when about the issue of plagiarism on podcasts or attribution and I was like oh wow we should really like think about that and acquired and and in this specific case the author was at sleet I think and had written a piece about uh, the original welfare queen a uh, big research piece he did and then somebody did a podcast and they basically just took his you know article that he'd written several years ago and turned it into podcast form and then didn't cite him at all and he got really angry about that justifiably so but then i was like oh wow like we don't there's no good way to kind of cite your sources on podcasting at least at least not in the audio format and
1: yeah it's like we try as much as we can to say like oh this great you know thing that i read you know but when it's when it's like a comprehensive breakdown of something or something and we uh, we link to stuff in the show notes but it's not like you can throw little parenthetical citations after every sentence yeah
0: yeah so it got me thinking about like yeah what what should we do i mean at the very least i think what we should do and I, i think it would be helpful to listeners too is just keep track of all our sources as we're researching and then just link to all of them in the in the show notes going forward um but even that requires like a bunch of overhead on our on our parts um so yeah i don't know what the right uh with the right answers it feels like we should do something uh just exactly what i don't know and and lord i would hate to be in a scenario where uh, but i could also see like somebody you know accusing us to quiet of like hey you guys like just You know, grab my stuff, and like we always use multiple sources that acquired, and try and do as much deep research as we can, and don't cut take shortcuts. But I can also see that argument, so I think it's it's really interesting. But that's not the norm in like I don't know any podcast that like cite their sources, so to speak.
1: Yeah, listeners, if you know of podcasts that do this particularly well and make that trade off of sort of creating overhead versus being sure to to really pay homage to all the sort of creators that came before, it, 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 DM David or I in Slack or email us acquiredfm at, at gmail.com. It'd be really interesting to figure out, like, you know, as the podcasting industry matures, what what's the right thing to do here? I got one. This is exciting. I have this Instapapered. And yes, I still use Instapaper. Actually, maybe we should do a whole episode about our own, like, productivity stacks. Oh, I don't know if fun. that's interesting to people, but... Tim Urban just published uh, The Story of Us, which is a new Wait But Why series that just launched today. And it looks from this little goofy graphic like it's about humans and sort of starting with what this goofy graphic depicts as cavemen and torches and fire. I don't know if you've read a lot of the Wait But Why stuff, but at some point I I binged all of it. And it's some of the best – I mean – All writing is on the internet, so you can't say the best writing on the internet, but it is like, uh, for people who like this show, I would imagine if you haven't read Wait But Why, you will uh, lose many, many hours or days to diving into that site. And not just like the Elon Musk stuff, like the number of weeks left in your life and the 10 types of single 30-year-old
0: dudes and all the different... (laughs) So, okay, I have a question for you on this. So, I went down the Wait But Why rabbit hole i don't know some number of months or years ago i don't remember now thought it was awesome and I subscribed to get new articles by email and i almost like never get one and so i'm not i'm not sure if either like tim I jokes i think he's about been on a long never, break yeah how he's been on a long break how he takes forever to get stuff out and i'm like are my email filters capturing this or is tim not writing or both like when was the last time you saw a new one uh, it's
1: been a while, maybe a year
0: or two. I
1: mean, was it a SpaceX or an a Elon Musk related one? Cause my, my massive binge was probably f- four years ago, right around there.
0: Yeah. I and I think know. maybe I mean, probably three, two or three years ago for me, maybe three years ago. Yeah. Two, I don't know. Maybe he's uh, been
1: researching for this one.
0: Yeah. Maybe look forward to reading it. Um, okay. I've got one that, uh, is, interesting but also in, makes me think of another diversion to talk about cyan banister at founders fund tweets uh we need to teach younger people how to be anti-fragile hmm. great seems good but it reminds me both the quote and cyan me. how do you define
1: anti-fragile
0: i read the book my recollection of the definition is with stress on the system you get stronger not weaker i think that's how i define it and that makes me think of Cyan's new partner at uh, Founders Fund, Keith Raboy. He's been on a couple great podcasts on Invest Like the Best and 20 Minute VC, maybe another one recently too. He recommends this book that I haven't read yet, but I, I, I love his summary of the book, which is called The Upside of Stress. And what he's saying is that like people think of stress as like, bad and they try and avoid it. But the book says and he believes that stress is actually really good because when you're stressed you're learning and you're growing and like people think that when they're stressed it'll like take years off their life and like all this but it's actually the opposite that like when you're stressed you're engaged in something and you're moving forward and as long as you're like making progress then it's actually like really good for you overall i'm sure there's like a happy medium you want to find here (laughs) but i think that's really interesting especially like in the last uh two years building wave here like i've definitely both felt more stressed than I've ever been in my life and like feeling like I've grown more than I have at any other point in my life, at least professionally.
1: This uh, reminds me of a great text that my uncle sent me. So when I sort of stepped out of my day to day at PSL for, it was close to a year, about 10 months to take the interim CEO role at taunt, is a a esports company that um, spun out of PSL a few years ago. It's super cool. It's a current instantiation is a Twitch extension that uh, helps people um, who are watching Twitch streams be more engaged with streamers and sort of play games and contests with other people who are watching the stream at the same time. And I remember being under more stress and feeling more pressure to do things that I, frankly were above my skill level at the time. Uh, And not only above my skill level, but were all brand new things that I'd never had to do before. Uh, One thing that helped a lot was I was doing um, uh, Calm uh, every morning because I would like see my email inbox and then get all wound up. And that was actually like an amazing way to clear my head before heading into the day. But I remember talking to my uncle about this and he's a super accomplished dude and and was telling me, uh, uh, he just kind of smiled and he was like, yeah, this is good. This is good. It's uh it's important to be pressure tested. What I thought I was going to get was like a much more like hey, you'll be okay. Like do, do we need to do you need to do something, you need to make a Don't change. Worry, and his better, his, his demeanor know? was just no, like this is good. You you need to do this. I think about that a lot when there's like an opportunity to do something bigger and scarier than what you feel would be comfortable or not even comfortable but like a notch or two beyond comfortable where you're like okay this is like a normal amount of pressure like if you have the opportunity to go a few notches beyond that like it's
0: good to be yeah, pressure tested like yeah the well i mean that's uh, uh the only way you learn and grow is is you know maybe this is what Cyan was getting at in her tweet of um is by stretching yourself and it's not comfortable in the moment <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, Should we bump over to um, talking about uh, feedback from our survey?
1: Yeah, I want to do one more and then we'll do that. So there was a piece this weekend, maybe Sunday. Yeah, it's in the Sunday Business uh, Edition of the New York Times. Massive, full page, really cool graphic of it looks like a lot of self-driving cars wrecking into each other and blowing up. And it's by Mike Isaac, and the piece uh, is titled, How Uber Got Lost. And I uh,
0: haven't oh, read the tweet. I think I, I'm pretty sure I read this.
1: Yeah? I, so I think I, I did. You, you can talk about that when I'm done, because I haven't read a lick of it, so I won't even be able, if you describe <laughs> it, I won't be able to tell you if I, it's correct or not. the newsworthy event to me is that Dara tweeted, Keeping this will be fun proving much of it wrong. And... That is the first time I have seen Dara be sort of like, I hesitate to say wartime CEO, but act a a little Travis-like, like like a little, I mean, his whole demeanor, we talked about this a lot on the Uber episode, his whole stance and, and public persona until this point has been very like... It's okay. The fires are put out. We're a great company. We embrace everyone. You know, the market's huge. There's, we're doing great. And now like, I'm very curious if there will be a, if this sort of changes the way that he messages himself to the world. He's, it's not the tame executive that, that, it, that we all sort of have been seeing.
0: So I did read this piece and I don't recall the the specific vignettes or or claims in it, but look like we talked about in, in the Uber episode we did Uber is a, complex story (laughs) and there was for sure yeah that's an understatement of (laughs) of the episode uh and there's for sure a lot of bad there but like there's a lot of good there too and like at wave now like i'm on the board of a company started founded by former uber people they are wonderful people like there are a lot of really really great people who were really bought into the mission who worked really hard there who are still there and who have left and like the narrative and i and i you know, I think, you know, to, to call out Mike in, in particular at the New York Times, like, I feel like the media has just been hammering on all of these people, Travis included, you know, sometimes rightly, but a lot of times wrongly. Like, these people are not evil. Like, they're good people. Like, not all of them, but a lot of them are.
1: Yeah. I mean, of course. Of course. It's just that I was just
0: flipping through the art of this article here, and like, there's a one, uh, uh, one quote about, like, the New York office had developed a toxic bro culture. And it's like, well, yeah, maybe some people there, but not all of the people there. Like, I know people from the New York office. They're not toxic bros. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, It's my yeah. defense of the day.
1: Uber is a complex company. My only point being, I'd kill to be sort of in the thought process of how do we change Dara's PR plan to this sort of a, of about face? Or is it literally just... He's eating breakfast on Sunday morning and is like, oh, come on, this pisses me off. Like, I got to <laughs> say something. And like, boy, if they pull a rabbit out of a hat, that's going to be a fun thing to quote tweet later in the future and uh, and show the world.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's talk about your feedback.
1: My feedback. Oh, listeners feedback. no, no. Listener's I'm like feedback. I don't David, this is not like a 360 review here. Or, I,
0: w- I would love it. We should we should do uh, reviews of each other. That'd be great.
1: That sounds terrible to me. <laughs> that does sound terrible. <laughs> let's not do that. <laughs> All right. Should we go through question by question here on the on the survey? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. So how old are you? That's our first question. Uh, the largest category with just over a third is 29 to 35-year-olds, and the second 30% is 23 to 28, so a lot of sort of post-college. And then uh, uh, about ten percent, thirty-six to forty. I mean, this is—is is this a silly way to do this? Reading tabular data over the air. Yeah, I yeah.
0: I think the point is, <laughs> two-thirds of you are between the ages of twenty-three and
1: thirty-five. That's a that's a, a, a nice way to put that. Interesting. Yeah, one point two percent though were over sixty-one. That's great. Some of this is on. Um, acquired.fm slash audience uh, if you're curious to get sort of more
0: of the breakdown what is your highest level of education 50.4 percent of you uh, have a bachelor's degree this is amazing over almost a full third have a master's degree or an mba and then over six percent have a phd so man we have a highly
1: educated audience this we is do great. have a highly educated audience This is kind of a silly question. Like, I don't, I think we'll take this off next time. Like, I don't, what are we going to do with this information?
0: Feel bad about our SAT scores? Yeah, no kidding.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we should just directly ask that next time. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, Of the 80 plus acquired episodes, how many have you listened to? There's 19% of you uh, said every episode, which I, I mean, I'm sure like if you're willing to take out the, take on the survey, there's some selection bias there, but I got a crack (laughs) out of that. Um, uh, that was great. Thank yeah, well, you for
0: all of those of you who have.
1: Largest segment is uh 16 to 40 episodes, which is a large segment. Maybe I should break that down further next time. Some of this is an artifact of me not changing the survey in a couple of years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Rather than going through every question here, let's let's pick out the interesting stuff here. Yeah.
1: I have the next few questions summarized nicely on the acquired audience oh, page, good. so I'll just read them. Um uh 61% work at a tech company. 39% work at a privately funded startup. 33% are currently or have been founders. And this is the an interesting one to me. That's amazing. Totally. Literally a third of our audience. Yep. 73% of those who are not a founder aspire to be a founder someday. So, like, what does that leave? What's uh, um, 73% of 66%? I'm wrong, not 73%. Listen to Ben do math on the air. This yeah, is the this is this is this is, this you, is what you you're for. I was for. like, what are you going for here? You
0: want 27% <laughs> yeah.
1: of uh, so 67%. 18% have, have never been a founder and do do not want to be a founder. Everyone else either is or does. I thought that was crazy. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's amazing. Good for you guys. Go for it. Do it. That's what I have to say. You're incentivized to say that. Well, I haven't said advice to say that, but I also having founded something like if you have a dream <laughs> and you want to do it, you, the. it's like the old best time to plant a tree. You know, the best time to plant a tree was 30 years ago. The next best time is today.
1: Ooh, I like that. All right. Um, if you work at a privately held startup, what stage is it? The biggest uh, segment, which I thought was interesting, was unfunded or bootstrapped at uh, 25%. After that, I put like, I think, angel funded, institutional seed, series A, B, C, or growth. Everything was basically evenly divided after that. I don't know exactly what to read into that, but I was just sort of curious, like, is it a whole bunch of people working at early stage stuff? Is it people that are working at quote unquote startups, but are no longer startups, but it's pretty across the board. This one's, uh, I'm going to move to the other chart because this one's a disaster. Uh, which best describes your job? I, I think this is the most interesting data that we, we got back from the survey. 18, 19 percent, I can't exactly read my chart, uh, are engineers.
0: 19 percent, yeah.
1: By far our biggest, uh, our biggest group second, in the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the second highest is uh, product managers at 11.5 percent. Executive leadership right around 10 percent. Uh, and on down from there, strategy, non-VC banking or finance, student, uh, venture capital, just above 5%, um, which you, if you extrapolate over, the, our whole audience means that over 1,000 venture capitalists listen to this show, which is bananas. I think that's all of them.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: it's It's been a growth industry over the last few
1: years. That's true. It ain't the 90s anymore. Yeah. Uh, so, it, But I, I think it's a really interesting data point that uh, uh, close to 30%. Uh, if or maybe maybe thirty percent, so close to a third are engineering, engineering and or product management. Product management, yeah. What's actionable about this for us is that we're not going to shy away from continuing to be to sort of flirt with the line of technical on this show. I think there's always risk that we get too like financy in a way that doesn't c- come across well on the air like you can't really read numbers on the air and have that be an interesting way to absorb information kind of like we're doing now (laughs) yeah uh uh yeah maybe we should maybe we should take another look at whether we're releasing this episode or not the um (laughs) uh, but i do think like one of the things that i love doing is when we get to like explore technical details of how companies got started and what the little niche was that they exploited and why that was technically interesting at the time and i think what the the audience number say to me is we should keep doing that because it's an audience that's very receptive to that. Um, favorite episodes from the last two seasons. I'll pause for a minute, uh, listeners, so you can sort of like guess in your heads what uh, what these might be.
0: I'm looking at the bar chart myself.
1: Yep. All right. Number one, the the most favorite episode, uh, and of course this was right before Superhuman, so that episode was not uh, not was eligible I'm, for yep. voting. Uh, was Netflix Part One? Yeah. Closely followed by Netflix Part
0: Two and the Uber IPO. We talk often on, on the show about like once we're done with an episode and a couple of weeks go by, it's like it never happened yeah, in our it's brains. You gone. know, like we we retain like a like an after image of it, but but none of the <laughs> um uh hopefully hopefully, and this is the whole point of the show. We we learned some lessons from from doing it, but uh, I, I don't remember that much about the netflix episode but yeah people everyone loves it which is great i was very surprised <laughs> i blacked I out the, for most of it but uh bl- yeah, yeah. data looks good so i thought I thought, <laughs> I thought that um uh in my mind the uber and lyft uh, episodes were like I thought they would be way higher than uh, than anything else, but, but they, yeah, it's probably just recency bias.
1: Yeah, there were a bunch there, sort of around, uh, not quite at that level, but a little bit below. We should first say, if any, and if any of you were guests on these episodes and you're listening to this one, don't feel bad. I think it's more the the topic than anything. So we we think you were a great guests. It is amazing to me how low uh, or how few people said that the smaller companies were some of their favorite episodes so like even though i deeply deeply enjoyed doing the sonos ipo uh the recode acquisition um the Behance acquisition we didn't really do any small companies in the last episode but like the, the some of those season 3 um smaller companies <laughs> smaller relative to uber less people reported those being some of their favorites. And I think...
0: Yeah, or like um, Electronic Arts, which is obviously a big company, but smaller than some of these others recently. Yeah, that was uh, probably around the middle of the pack. I thought that was so great. Oh my I God. love spending time with Trip.
1: And of course, it's, not, it's Trip not being a household name, but, you know, it had basically invented the video game publishing industry. And so it's interesting looking at this data. You know, I think we were on a path to covering mostly bigger companies anyway but it's really clear what folks sort of like uh six to 12 months later and sticks in their head as oh my god that was an amazing episode now what this doesn't mean is like we're going to stop doing those you know smaller acquisitions that have really great stories or really great guests like i don't want to do that at all and and maybe we'll do more of those on the lp show instead of the main show the data speaks for itself yeah why do you like listening Uh to acquired David, right. this this Why one's this one. All the credit goes to you. Uh, the the, <laughs> the The biggest category is definitely the history and fact storytelling uh, is interesting, and then uh, but
0: uh, right after it is the analysis is insightful, and I feel like that mostly goes to you.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. I so, think it goes to both of us.
0: I think I think we have a good partnership here on Acquired.
1: I me too. The funny thing about this question was lots of people wrote stuff in.
0: Yeah. So like what. And the way Google forms work, like we can't, <laughs> we can, it all, all of your, the write-ins get kind of cut off. So yeah. we get like the first couple words.
1: Yeah. I'd have to go over to the spreadsheet to see, but there's, there's like funny stuff. Like, uh, this person said the reason they liked the show is the catchphrases. this person said it was because of the high quality audio which thank you i've obsessed over that quite a bit so
0: ben has put a lot of work (laughs) into
1: that uh there's one option that's uh i know ben or david personally that we put in for folks that like we've recommended it to personally this person wrote i wish i knew ben or david personally
0: yes there's uh (laughs) hey just hit us up in slack it's true it's true Let's let's go on to the next one. How did you find out about acquired? By far the biggest is a friend or a coworker told me about it. So we've been thinking about this a little bit and by thinking about it we mean we know we need to think about it and we haven't actually thought about it yet. Acquired has like a I hesitate to say network effect but a little bit of a virality, uh, a lot of virality within companies like we've been trying to think about yeah, like, we hear about this all the time it's like yeah if we
1: covered a company people in the company are sharing it with each other even if we didn't like it's it becomes sort of like book club in a way yeah somebody
0: sort of, in a company starts listening tells their coworkers, and next thing you know a bunch of people are listening
1: which there's a mixed blessing here because it's freaking awesome that you guys tell your friends let me take a step back There is this thing in the creative process where you get too close to the work and then you have no idea if it's good. And that happens to me (laughs) a lot with Acquired. And like, it's not like we're painting here. When I say the creative process, like it's a business tech finance show. But there is an amount (laughs) of like, especially in the storytelling and figuring out what research makes the show, what doesn't, how we want to reveal information, you know, how we structure the analysis. All this stuff is, is a creative act. I think there's this thing that happens to me every single time we release an episode, David, where we put it out and I go this could very well be garbage. Like, I have no yep. idea. Yep. I really hope it's not garbage. Like, we listened to it. We sanity checked it. We edited it. And maybe we had someone else listen to it. Um, but I always, every single time, have this fear, like, we just produced absolute shit and put yep. it out in the this world. This is the beginning of
0: the-
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which this episode well could be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know what? I'm glad we're doing this episode because I think always be we've talked about this too. Well, the... In the early days of Acquired, it was so much easier to just... By the way, are you wearing a Stratechery t-shirt? I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it was so easy to... You know, we could just experiment with all sorts of stuff, and we did all the time. Uh, but then as as it's gotten bigger, it's it's... You know, I feel, you get the, you feel the pressure and it gets harder to experiment. And so like, I'm sure this episode is crap, but like, is there something, listeners, LPs tell us, is there something interesting in here that if we refined it further, like you would like to hear more of this on a regular basis? Um, And that's the reason to to keep experimenting. It's kind of funny. Like we're doing this
1: in this like weird one-way audio medium and we're trying to like solicit feedback. It's like, oh, if only there was a better way. And I think it's like. It's kind of a kooky, uh, it's like, here, we're going to, let's walk through this process. We're going to create a show and we're going to ask you questions and then we're going to stop recording. We're going to edit it and like produce it. And then we're going to release it. And we're going to ask you to open up this application that you have called Slack and then direct message us in that to be able to interact many days later. It's a ridiculous anyway. So I was not saying, to mention
0: that we're talking about questions that we asked you on the show that you went to a <laughs> it's Google too meta, form. And I can't handle that. it. Yeah, so
1: I was saying it's a mixed blessing that 32.1 percent of people, which is the highest category, said they found out about Acquired because a friend or coworker told them about it. So freaking awesome that folks are talking about it with friends and coworkers. As a lot of you know that we've as we've talked about our goals in making this show, like, none of it involves generating income from it. And so we always try and pour money back into making the show better, growing, whatever it is. It's really hard to invest in growing the audience when the best way that the audience grows is this way. Like, if the number one way was... I saw an advertisement on Facebook that was well targeted and the creative was exactly what I wanted at exactly the right time. And so I you know, I clicked and then I subscribed to my podcast player. Then I'd be like, Awesome, I can go pour all the dollars into that. But I can't. And this is this is like a you know, this forces us to be more creative in figuring out how do we leverage this, you know, observable thing that's happening with our audience that they're telling us this is how they found out about the show into more growth.
0: Yeah. So we're thinking about it. Live shows at companies, like, uh, we're thinking about it. Yeah. How would you solve
1: it? I mean, that's an interesting, yeah. like, if you were a podcast marketer, sort of knowing this information, um, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about.
0: Okay. What type of episodes do you like better? The vast majority of people, not vast majority, almost 60% of people said they like both episodes with just Ben and me and with guests equally. But if people who had a preference, the majority of people with a preference prefer just us and no guests. Yep. Three Um, to one, which, (laughs) yeah, I understand, you know, like it's so great to have guests, but it is, it's harder. Like we, we, we feel more pressure. We're less relaxed when we're in front of guests. And it's also hard. Like we're not, we're not Kara Swisher. We're not journalists. We don't view our job as to like ask the hard hitting questions. We view our job as to like, help a guest tell a story and sometimes guests are really good at telling stories and sometimes they're you know not as good
1: and sometimes we develop a relationship where like halfway through the episode we feel like we can ask the gotcha questions but sometimes we don't and yeah it you know we always run that risk so
0: i totally get it we're not gonna stop having guests though because i think when we have a great guest even if even if the rapport isn't there like sometimes you can just get stuff that you can't get Otherwise, uh.
1: (laughs) this is one uh, friend asked me to add this um, because we've had a constant debate over, you know, can you shorten the episodes? They're getting long, you know, this Uber two hour extravaganza. Like I (laughs) feel like I just went to the movies. Um, So we asked what (laughs) length of episode do you prefer? So we broke it into four. Yeah. About two hours uh, was one category about an hour, 20 about an hour and then less than 40 minutes. So sort of like the quick take format. And very few people wanted that. It's like 5% wanted episodes less than 40 minutes. And and a full 27% of people wanted the two-hour episodes. And so I feel validated that, that there's some large group of people that want the large, uh, the really long ones. Another 26% want hour-long episodes. And then the largest group of people is uh, about an hour 20. So the interesting takeaway here is two-thirds of people want an hour 20 or longer. So...
0: I think that we will keep doing. We will keep letting each episode run its natural course.
1: Yeah. There's basically Uh, no information in this do you find the Slack interesting or useful
0: question. Yeah. I mean, most people are not yet in the Slack. If you're not in the Slack, you should join the Slack. There's actually really great stuff going on there. Real quick, before we call it on this experimental episode, uh, in kind of the narrative responses, there are a couple themes that came out Let's see. That would be interesting to talk about that we've we've talked about.
1: And before we do that,
0: I should say we
1: have an NPS of 78. So I feel pretty good about that.
0: Yeah. Great. That's Thank our, you all. That, that, Maybe that, that, some, some bias question. in the people who actually respond. Totally. But that, isn't the, it always <laughs> the
1: case with NPS? I guess, I, I mean, a, a, yeah. a biblical rule of NPS is like, I think there's two that we violated here. One is you're supposed to ask people like I think we were biased at the time that we asked people and we also were biased in that we asked people for their personal information so of course it's going to skew higher
0: one of the big takeaways from the the feedback is uh, that we totally appreciate and thank you guys for is is just that like we have license to kind of do more like if you hadn't noticed we've been slowly broadening the show over time from Acquisitions that went well to acquisitions in general to acquisitions and IPOs to then you know occasionally telling just stories and you may have noticed in our recent episodes we've changed the description of the show in the intro to uh, we tell tell the stories of great technology companies so we're gonna keep doing that whether that's acquisitions IPOs public companies private companies wherever there's a good story we're gonna try and find it
1: I'm really glad that we got that you know that folks felt comfortable sort of telling us that because I w- one of my big fears, and you always see this with companies that have a killer insight originally and then get sort of muddier and muddier and muddier until they don't stand for anything anymore. My biggest fear was that we were doing that and that we sort of like ran out of a standard acquired episodes to do. And so we sold out and did, you know, something different and more mass market. And it's so clear that we're not doing that. And It turns out what the majority of folks seem to like about the show is the way that we tell stories and the way that we draw conclusions from it. And the way that that company went through a transaction is not the relevant bit.
0: I seriously got to go because I'm late for dinner.
1: (laughs) All right, dude.
0: (laughs) LPs, it's been great. Thanks for taking the time as always. Talk to you. Likewise.